I'm Yasi Salek, and I'm the host of Bandsplain, a show where we explain cult bands and iconic artists by going deep into their histories and discographies. We're back with a brand new season at our brand new home, the Ringer Podcast Network, tackling a whole new batch of artists, from grunge gods to power pop pioneers to new metal legends, and many, many more. Listen to new episodes every Thursday, only on Spotify. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. I need support staff to clear the room. Stand up and walk. Now. Hello and welcome to The Watch. My name is Chris Ryan. I am an editor at TheRinger.com and joining me in the studio, negotiating with tigers, it's Andy Greenwald! Gonna be a cool energy today. Um, let me tell you something about my day. Yeah. We're gonna talk a little bit about some new shows coming in 2024. We're also gonna do Slow Horses Episode 3 and chat a little bit mm-hmm. about an animated program what? that I watched on the Max Station. You did it. Called Scavenger's Rain. I didn't think you would do it. Uh, so we're going to talk about that. And then, uh, and, yeah, so I have a bunch of stuff for you, Andy. I'm a little bit gamey today. Mm-hmm. Been up since 6 a.m. And also found out from Instagram that I've been doing breakfast wrong for <laughs> a long time, apparently. And that my days have mm-hmm. been starting with a glucose roller coaster. Yeah. And I don't know what to do about it. And then I, I thought I would come into work and talk about this. Mm-hmm. And then people would be like, nah, dog, don't worry about that. That's just Instagram lying to you. And I told Craig Horlbeck, who produces the rewatchables and is on the fantasy football show, uh, I was like, yeah, man, I saw this Instagram reel about my breakfasts. And he was like, yeah, that's right. You fucked up. Well, what's, what's your <laughs> breakfast? What do you mean? Uh, I have a piece of toast okay. with uh, peanut butter, yeah. a little flake salt, a little Malden. That sounds nice. Sliced banana. Okay. Coffee. Oh, and but, apparently I'm going too sugary, too starchy in the morning. Oh, Big Soch says that you should be... Yeah. I saw this lady and she was just like, you should be having savory breakfasts. When you say you saw a lady, <laughs> this was a, a consult? On Instagram. Oh. You know I was on IG last night. I was sending you some great reels. You have been so meta-pilled. For two years, you're like, I can't believe you're still on Facebook, you dork. Do you know what it is? I and don't now, really need any of this stuff, you know? Correct. Uh, correct. But... I finally feel yeah. truly my name is Chris uh-huh. and I don't need Twitter anymore. And yeah. like, so, but Welcome, I, what brother. I've replaced yeah. it with is long walks outdoors and time with your loved ones is, is jokes about Dom from inception planning golf trips with his buddies on Instagram. <laughs> I just feel like for me, the DM window on IG is that's kind of like, it's like you going to the comedy store to work out something before the special. Yeah. You know, like yeah. you send me stuff and I'm like, oh, this came through on the dark web, essentially. <laughs> like this wasn't good enough for the main stage. This is I'm like, not going to copy it and go to our text thread and send it to you there, though. You mean like I would? Yeah. At six in the morning when I'm awake every day? <laughs> well, this is really, the shoe is on the other foot today because like usually you come in you're like I'm so tired that's a good and then you and then you monologue for for 40 minutes of an hour-long podcast and (laughs) And everyone loves it that's what I'll do today Andy any (laughs) do you want to get anything off your chest before we get into it no I just 
Because we do have a little bit of a clock today. I understand. I just wanted to say that, like, traffic in LA is not good. I feel like that's not talked about a lot. Yeah, my it's guy like, is 20, 30 minutes late today. It's one of those things like the weather where I feel like people aren't really talking about what it's like in LA, yeah. you know? Um, <laughs> but but it's not it's not great. Uh, I, I could go for hours about this topic. I think about I, it all the time. I just did go for an hour <laughs> from not, you know, really not that, that far away. You guys... Furiosa is here. Th- that's that is not post-apocalyptic. That's just Los Angeles. Except instead of a blood bag, I just have some Trader Joe's peanut butter pretzels, which Craig Hurlbeck <laughs> thinks are disgusting. <laughs> Apparently, wait, what are you supposed to eat? In the he morning? started talking to me about macros. He started talking to me about like getting getting some eggs and a, and maybe a piece of fruit. Okay, champ. You know what? Like he's still in the window where maybe he thinks he's going to live forever. And well, we me know and Craig and Bobby had talked about mm-hmm. doing a podcast where I get swole and they talked me through it. Those are your boys? <laughs> Just your swole boys? Yeah. So th- th- those... I would subscribe to that. Because one thing I know... <laughs> That's nice that you think that, I feel like. Well, because she because she came up with Craig and Bobby. So that, those are her homies. Oh, no. Yeah, right. That's... Right, and the three of them came up with this idea to wreck your cellular <laughs> yeah, structure. To kill my renal system. This long con. <laughs> because I wake up every day and have a chicken breast <laughs> to get the day started. Not cooked, not uh, seasoned. Uh, McMullen, do you do savory breakfast? What's, what's, what's the deal? I don't really... I yeah, don't really, you don't really I don't do breakfast. breakfast. This is the fucking so, hack. Well, but the thing is now is that you're actually um, not supposed to have coffee first thing in the morning when you wake up. I know, you're supposed up. to go out you're and stare at the sun. <laughs> you're supposed it. to go out, stare at the sun, mm-hmm. eat a little something, and then you can have your coffee. That's Who's not, they? Who's telling us? Andrew to do Huberman. Was that the guy that wakes up at one is this in the morning? How you, is this you pretending like you didn't know who? Uh, is that the thing you sent me? Uh, Molly Baz is. You don't know who Andrew Huberman is? I legitimately don't know who that he's is. He's like a neuroscience influencer. Oh, he's the guy who's going to live forever. No, that's the different guy who's like taking his son's blood. <laughs> Your that blood bags. Rules. Yeah. I wish I had a son so I could do that, but you know. <laughs> well, now you're on the record. You have a long history of being like, one day I would like to share my life with a young companion, like a ward. I can welcome him into my life. But now you just effed it because yeah. you were like, I will use him as a harvest. <laughs> no, I would never do that. For, never right. do that. So no, so I don't know this, but he says that what you-, you He's should... like, you got to go outside and you got to look up at the sun without sunglasses on. Not at the sun itself, like Trump? but just get sky in you. Yeah. What? <laughs> look, I want to get to TV. It's obvious. It's the only place that's safe. Everything else is dumb. Andy Norman Lear, rest in peace. What a what a pivot. <laughs> okay, this is not what I meant to say about the god of television. Yeah, but I promise you, he never lost a moment of sleep worried about his peanut butter intake in the morning. No, and actually, he lived to this is like the greatest generation, and they just they just ate like a bowl of Fruit Loops and then mm-hmm. wrote all in the family. You and know? you know what else? We kept him alive. He stayed interested. Yeah. He stayed curious. It's it's the what a, what an amazing life. 101 years old Norman Lear passes away. For anybody who hasn't doesn't know, he is essentially the architect of television or one of the architects of, of modern television. He created all in the family, Maud, Sanford and Son, the Jeffersons and Good Times. And Andy, as I was reading about Norman Lear today, I don't really have anything profound to say about him. I started watching YouTube clips of a show that I did not know he created. Uh, that I had never heard of, but am mildly fascinated by right now, called Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman. This is the cult one. This is very you. This is like, th- this is the deep cut. This yeah. is the the album that didn't get released in America. Big Star's third slash sister lovers. Yes. Yeah. This is this this legendary cult show that at the peak of his powers, this was his like, this was his flex. Yeah. And it is a kind of a, 
I don't, it's not a parody of of soap operas. It's kind of like a almost like a cracked art experiment about soap operas, and it ran five nights a week. Yeah. For two seasons, 33 episodes each season, I think. And Louise Lasser plays the titular character. Mm-hmm. Did a little deep dive on Louise Lasser. What a life. Yeah. She got busted for Coke possession uh, at a department store. That what, was pretty sick. What was her breakfast regimen? <laughs> <laughs> Just a different. What, what were the macros? A different that? kind of flake in the morning, not the melon. Um, Is that what you're suggesting? And uh, yeah. So it was this very meta television show that also dealt directly with a lot of like social issues that were going on in America at the time. So. I wish that was on streaming. Uh, what a dream to have television on streaming. Also, um, because Norman Lear stayed relevant and stayed working and, you know, doing, did the, the One Day at a Time yeah. uh, remake that was very, very good on Netflix. Um, had a number of projects in development, including an attempt to bring Mary Hartman back. With, uh, the, who's the lady from Emily Schitt's Hampshire Creek. from yes. Schitt's Creek. It was going right. to be at TBS. TBS is no longer in the We Make Television business. No, they're in the We Have the Fourth NCAA Tournament Game on Tuesday mm-hmm. business. Honestly, there are worse businesses. <laughs> sure. But, um, no, I mean, I, again, like, w- there are other places you guys can go to read. You should read the obituaries. A, a legendary move, by the way, whenever you live long enough to outlive your obituary writer. Oh, my God. As, I think there's still like a one or two people my dad might have a byline on. But it's pretty crazy when that happened. That awesome. happened relatively recently. Yeah, your, where, guy, your guy Kissinger. No, my dad did not read Kissinger's oh, obituary. Oh, oh I, I thought you meant like it happened recently that in the New York Times... The obituary writer <laughs> yes, has died. Yes, but like that happened with some famous actor passed away and my dad had a byline in like five years ago. Your dad something. probably said some things about Barry and Kissinger. I feel like that's probably... He was his. not a fan. Yeah, okay. <laughs> well, the, the point I wanted to make was about, about Norman Lear is that like there are very few people who within any medium just completely changed it yeah. and changed everything about what it could be. And I don't think that... we. You could say that like a younger generation can't understand what All in the Family did what kind of a bomb it was on in popular culture but we don't understand it because no. that show was on premiered before we were born and we sort of grew up with a halo effect of it yeah um it was on reruns people talked about it people have been trying to get back to that type of sh- programming since that show it was kind of there was the there were the shows you mentioned the jeffersons and Maud, that also were very very funny very very popular topical topical envelope pushing programs and I, I don't feel like we've done that again. You know, I think we have topical programs. We have popular programs. We have funny things. But this idea of yeah. of you can do all of it in the most... Um, yeah, I wonder what you would consider the last Lear-esque show. Like, was it Roseanne? Roseanne is a good reference. Yeah. I mean, I think even, I mean, the Connors is still going. Uh-huh. And I think that's, that's very much... But like much at the center the of a of, television culture and also like pushing the envelope creatively while also like making and responding to, like, headlines. I mean, I think a big change is... Maybe 24. Well, well for, for some people's <laughs> political beliefs, yes. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, the, the, the moment when TV went from Roseanne being the most popular show to all the most popular shows being about people living in New York City apartments... That was a shift in terms of. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, look, I'm not. I'm not saying Seinfeld and Friends were bad for the culture. I'm just sure. saying that was a different, uh, a different approach to what a popular mainstream show should be. Other popular mainstream shows, mm-hmm. which we hope to watch in 2024. I don't. I mean, you know, pretty mainstream because uh, HBO put up its its coming next year trailer mm-hmm. uh, this yesterday, I believe it was, uh, which finally gets to like we get back to to what made us. 
you know, what made us a, 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 a truly great television watching country is when HBO has 10 rock solid things to show us in a year. Uh, and, and now it's got five originals on Max. <laughs> yes. And so <laughs> this is where we're at. Um, big takeaways here are uh, obviously pushing True Detective Night Country, which is coming in January. They had uh, clips of The Penguin, which stars Colin Farrell from the- that, That's a Max show. That's not an HBO show. Okay. But they're I, all in the same ad. Yes, I know. I, and and they're they're all under the same corporate umbrella, which is look, really look all I care about. Is. This is definitely because of the lack of sleep. <laughs> and also, we see a, a clip from the regime starring Kate Winslet uh, and sympathizer, the sympathizer starring Robert Downey Jr. But most importantly, yes, uh, it's snowy in industry season three, and I'm not talking about a baggie of King Charles. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about Kit Harrington. On that PJ mm-hmm. with Marissa Bella, mm-hmm. industry's almost here. I can feel it. It's pretty exciting. Yeah. This, I, look. My heart rate went up and my bank account got smaller. That's all I'm saying. I, I will say, uh, people know, we love the show. Mm-hmm. We love Mickey and Conrad. We love My Hollow. We love, we, we love this project. We love all of, it, all of it. I'm so excited to have the show back. I, you know how like, th- this may sound like a, like a flippant comment, but there are people in probably everyone's life who was like, oh, that person had a good COVID. Not an infection, but like a pretty good <laughs> oh, yeah, right. time somehow during a dark period. I feel like industry had a good strike. Hmm. I don't know anything about season three uh, other than they got Kit Harrington to be in it. Um, HBO seems very excited about that because he is presented in this commercial like like he's the lead of the show, sure. which maybe he will be this season. But just just generally, I feel like the ability, the industry's industry's ability to stay in production during the writer and actor strikes, because being a UK based show, gave it a leg up in terms of um, you know having a smooth production and I imagine post production, they were able to stay in contact with all of the HBO people I imagine who were otherwise twiddling their thumbs waiting for their other things to get back into business, and this really felt my my sense is that we will feel industry as a Sunday night HBO show even figuratively more in 2024 than we did for the first two seasons where it was kind of like a, we loved it and it was a good show for them to be in business with. It was a, you know, at a lower price point, international young cast, but it never felt like the next HBO show, at least from the HBO perspective. I got big feelings. I got big. I also think it's just like, I think people have watched that. They've, Mm -hmm. they've, they've gone back and, and, and caught up with this series. And I think that, that this, this season, I have a, I have really high expectations for. Also, I do have one major question for it. Though. Can I say one last thing, though, about that? Like, also, what do we want out of TV shows historically is we want TV shows to make stars, not the other way around. Yeah. And it's cool Kit Harrington is on it. J.D. Plus did a great job last year. But, like, Mahala is a star. Marissa Bella is in the Amy, Amy Winehouse. She's yeah. playing Amy Winehouse in a huge biopic. So, like, the show's coming. They're going to have to answer for whether or not Game of Thrones exists in the industry universe. Oh, it's a great I, I imagine they have thought this through. Mm-hmm. Industry seems to take place in a very similar world to ours. Well, but succession slight differences. This has already been determined, right? That like industry exists in the succession universe. What do you mean? I, th- I wasn't there a reference to the Roy's or something, or were they? Re- I feel like we we debated this last year. I can't remember anything that happened last year. That's because you're eating the wrong breakfast. <laughs> I think we, like this is all. Craig remembers everything <laughs> that's right. I've ever said to him. <laughs> um, that's just my that's just my one my one red flag. Yeah, Kendall Roy and Succession exist in industry, but so HBO exists in the industry world, but Game of Thrones doesn't. They say Kendall Roy. 
which means that they, that that industry is in the same fictional universe as Succession. Okay. We don't know if HBO exists in the Succession universe. It could and be I'm, Max. And I'm, thank you. But in that universe, the David Milt show Money, starring Ian McShane, is the Sunday night show. You know, I was going to get carried away by talking about the HBO show Lock, lock Rate, but, but I'm, I'm just going to skip it because it just it would take us on a tangent. Because in the industry universe, horses are extinct <laughs> because luck is real. Is that what you were going to say? No, it's just that Michael Mann has been doing a lot of Ferrari interviews and the Vulture one, he, he gets asked about luck and he goes on to talk about how they were like industry standard for animal, how they treated animal and that like PETA tried to make an example out of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really have a comment on that. I just thought that was an amazing quote. His allegiances are right there in his last name. Do you think that we are, as a pot, are industry standard for animal cruelty? Which industry? Succession universe <laughs> industry? I think um, I you know what I actually do think we would have passed muster up until our conversation about lessons in chemistry that's probably right we murdered that's that dog right. that's right uh, a couple other things just actually one other thing before we get slow horses and that is the teaser mm-hmm. for Mr. and Mrs. Smith which mm-hmm. is coming in February on Amazon Prime and stars Donald Glover and Maya Erskine who replaced Phoebe Waller-Bridge who was originally sort of part of this the internet made it so Donald Glover, Phoebe Waller-Bridge team up, redoing, remaking this, uh, mm-hmm. I would say, favorite, like, you know, kind of a kind of a cult curiosity. It was a very successful 2005 movie. We just did it on Rewatchables with Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie. But, like, I don't know that anybody was, like, crying out for it to be. You did a Rewatchables with Brad and Angelina? No, we did. It was me and Amanda and Bill. You phrased that really interestingly. Uh, I am tired. So, I want to say this. This teaser looks fucking awesome. Yeah. Uh, another really good example of very creative thinking where the entire premise of Mr. and Mrs. Smith is based on the idea that they somehow don't know that the other is a hitman. Yes. An assassin. They seem to have dispensed with that mystery in this by saying that these two assassins are brought together by their work to, to be together. Yes. And to do a job. The Maya Erskine casting. How you feel about this? Is, they, they nailed it. They, it, look, it seems great. Their chemistry seems great. The supporting cast of which includes Sarah Paulson, Parker Posey, Paul Dano, Michaela Cole, and Sharon Horgan, and Ron Perlman. Pretty impressive. I'm really excited for the show. I thought it was a really interesting trailer because they changed it, you know, which is great. You have to do that. You cannot just make a movie again. It also is not what I expected. I mm-hmm. think the, you, make, you make a great observation of like that small tweak seems to give it legs. It makes it it under it, it suggests that Francesca Sloan, who adapted it and is show running it, and she'd worked with Donald Glover on Atlanta, understood just fundamentally like movies are not TV. Yeah. What is our interesting way into this to make it about the characters, not just about the spectacle of these two hours at the loudest points of their life? Like that that makes a lot of sense. I think because of the original casting, I expected it to be more bantery. I expected it for whatever reason. This is not fair. I'm not saying I wanted this more. I thought it was going to be a little bit more intimate, mm-hmm. smaller stakes. I did not expect all of the Lake Como of it. Yeah. I'm into that. A lot of Uzis. A lot of Uzis at Lake Como. Yeah. It, it, it appears to be trying to do something that is that historically has been hard, which is to make the canvas as big and glamorous as possible while also being true to what we what I said a moment ago, which is that it's a, TV, it's a 
multi-episode television show, so it has to start and end with the characters. It's just, it was, I was surprised by it. I'm looking forward to it. I think it's interesting. Do you get the sense, again, I don't know if this is good or bad, we're basing this off of a trailer, but when you announce a cast list like that, um, a guest star cast, Uh it does suggest that there's a very strong case of the week element to it. Yeah. Um, And that you're making a play for Parker Posey completists. Well, yeah. I, this should be added to her Criterion collection, as far as I'm concerned. It's going to help Bezos' bottom line. Do, do you ever, like, are you a Criterion collection, Criterion channel subscriber? Yeah. Like, kind of insulted that you just asked me that, but yes. I, I, sometimes, I don't know. They have a Parker Posey collection right now. What I was going to say is, they have the most, it's an amazing resource. It's a treasure. There's always something new to discover. But the constants, no matter what month it is, there's always, like, November noir. And I'm like, how is that different than October noir? Yeah. And there's always a Parker Posey collection. Yeah. They know their audience. I want... I didn't know you really did these things in these streets. I thought you just set it all for the gram. You th- oh, you thought I was lying, but in, in truth, I was just watching Huberman reels. <laughs> That's it. I've never seen Slow Horses. <laughs> or classics of cinema. <laughs> or industry. No. Yeah. Um, why don't we take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about what increasingly might be my favorite show of the year. This episode is brought to you by Mint Mobile. One thing you don't have to worry about cleaning up this spring season, your wireless bill. Just switch to Mint Mobile. It's easy. And right now they have unlimited talk, text, and data plans for $15 a month when you buy a three-month plan. To get this new customer offer, go to mintmobile.com watch. That's mintmobile.com watch. $45 upfront payment required equivalent to $15 a month for first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Ah, this show is so good, dude. <laughs> Slow Horses is so good. It's so good. I, I, would, I, do, I know that it's Thursday. It's uh-huh. been a long week. I, I don't feel at my peak articulate articulate self mm-hmm. but I, I have a note here that just says when you do the pod say how good Slow Horses is <laughs> do you write that to yourself <laughs> that's so sweet it's like memento what else is written there <laughs> is that written on your body yes. Chris is now taking his shirt off um, Andy the third episode I was wondering whether or not mm-hmm. they were going to sustain this breakneck pace for this season because I thought maybe it was like a two episode, like we hit you with the just dazzle you, mm-hmm. and then we lull you for a couple before we build back up. Nope, it's still thrilling. Uh, there's a couple of different things that I wanted to mention here, but just briefly, why don't you just tell me how you felt about the third episode? Uh, I didn't write a note to myself, I wrote a text to you, and I wrote, I think this is my favorite show, I think this is my number one show. Yeah. Uh, we're going to be doing our top 10 soon. I don't know if it really is. Also, the series won't be finished. Uh, the, the season won't be finished. So by the it's time automatically it. disqualified from all discussion. I, I, I'm a completist. Yeah. Um, I don't know if there's any show on television at the moment that is as successful as this show in terms of just not only hitting all of its marks, but exceeding them in every category in terms of like production design, direction, writing, performance. It's all at a better than it even would need to be level which is so nice. It's so dependable. It's so reliable. But I want to frame a conversation about this episode, which I adored. I don't, there hasn't been a moment that's rung false to me this year. There hasn't been a moment I haven't enjoyed. I continue to think, and I keep checking with you to see if I'm being crazy or if this is just hitting me in a certain way that why I like the season even more than the first two. 
there may be an element of just it's cumulative. Mm-hmm. Like I've just spent enough time now in this world that I'm thrilled to be back in it. I, that's 100% true. You could or someone else could make an argument. Ah, well, season two is better at X, Y, or Z. Maybe. Yeah. I'm loving this more than those. And I'm desperately sad when there isn't another one to immediately start. I want to talk about this episode through the perspective of my favorite actor in the world, Freddie Fox. <laughs> Not to be confused with the gangster associate Bumpy Knuckles. Not sadly. to be confused with Daniel Day-Lewis. No, but, you know, uh, he's back. We won't spoil, but he well, might. Well, we're talking about the third episode, so we should spoil it. Okay, he probably won't be back again. Yes. His performance in this episode is so outstanding. Yeah. Because he, the character, is playing a game and is performing. And the brio that he flashes while switching between like the meek defeated version and the king of the world champagne swilling toff that he actually is, mm-hmm. is so fantastic. Specifically that scene when River and um, uh, Louisa walk into the, it's Chieftain, right? Is the private Is security. the name of the, the private security company. And yeah. is greeted by what looks like the Leo champagne Great Gatsby gif of just like a bunch <laughs> of dudes swilling champers and yeah. laughing yeah. is so beautifully and broadly done. And here's my word for it. It is joyful. Everything about that scene is just suffused with joy of like, we are putting on this show. We are having fun. We are, as Spider says in his ultimate moments, like this is a game. The show understands that on such a molecular level. And it never steps on the stakes. Like, I still, I feel for these people. I don't want them to get uh, kidnapped, assassinated, arrested, whatever the case may be. It's okay for them to be headbutted. But, like, this is a joyful exercise in television. And what's so wrong with that? Why do we get away from that? It's a really good point. It also, when the show does things that I think I would be way more critical of a lesser show for doing, for instance, when they go to the character Sean Donovan, who's played by uh, Sophie Dirisu, from Gangs of London. They go to his flat and he has two walls with a massive, essentially, domestic terrorism plot. I just want to say, the character should be called Sope Dirisu. Sean Donovan is not a good enough... No offense to all the Sean Donovans listening, or they're probably listening to to Simmons, but like, I, I... it's not a name that is good enough for this character. They're listening to Bill when they aren't listening to Off the Pike. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> That's right. Sorry, but yes, two uh, conspiracy walls. That would be something in a in a less charming, less intelligent, less well-executed show that I might be like, so you're telling me the mastermind of this counter-op mm-hmm. Tiger Team mission has left all of the information mm-hmm. that you would need on walls of his flat that mm-hmm. he has also abandoned and that you can easily break into. But I don't care. Oh. <laughs> Very Stephen A. Smith, we don't care. <laughs> but also, maybe that's also a false flat. Like, sure. We, we, yeah. we, we don't know. Like that, it's absolutely true. That's part of the fun of this. The, the show is in on its own joke. And joke isn't the right word, but it's in on its own bit. You know, the um, one character in this episode says, speaking of, um, when speaking about uh, Jackson Lamb, about Gary Oldman's character, like he seems to know everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that is essentially... Yeah, Gary Oldman's entire gig is walking up and down lovely London streets mm-hmm talking on a mobile phone and being like, I've figured out the plot of the show. Yeah, and I've done it two clicks ahead of you, you you fool. Yeah. But he says it more colorfully than I do. Um, Have you noticed how... I've never heard people talk about a performance the way I hear people talk about Gary Oldman's body in this season of Slow Horses. <laughs> like, I've brought up the show to people, and they're like, yeah, it's good. Is that fucking real? 
Like, does he look like that? What has he done? I'm like, he just looked, he's, he seems happy. I will, I will uh, share two observations mm. from my wife, Island. Uh, <laughs> one is that in Freddy Fox's final scene as Spiderweb, as he's mouthing off to Sean Donovan, mm. my wife goes, is he going to get killed? Because he's being so <laughs> extra with that guy. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know. He's a really popular character. And then they smashed his head into a fucking windshield. You didn't see it coming? I didn't. And then the other point that she made was, I could do without the farting. Oh, I was going to ask you about that. I I could too. But, you know, I, I'm from a different generation. It's that, I get it. And I, I got it in the first season. Is, are you mostly concerned about his breakfast? <laughs> is, is that... Is that do you feel like Jackson Lamb? Should I start an Instagram persona where I try to transform myself into Jackson Lamb? Because you know how it'll be like some dude who's like, I'm 42 with two kids, yeah. but watch me get totally fucking chiseled. Yeah. What if I was like, I'm 46 with no kids, and now I'm bringing my Jackson Lamb hair? It's the anti-Craig and, Bo- Craig and Bobby just cut to them looking horrified. <laughs> I know. I, I know. did, I, I read in, um, I think it was like, it was GQ.com did this long very long profile of the lead singer of Sum 41. Uh-huh. I read that at 6 a.m. when you weren't texting me, so whatever. You could have saved me from that, but... Where do you read this? Are you are you tending to your children while looking at your phone? Are you in bed reading Sum 41 profiles? I don't need to answer that. Okay. I don't... <laughs> okay. Look, you know, they, get, they make it to school. <laughs> Fat lip blasting out of the electric car. They make it to school. Uh-huh. Um, I just want to say, though, in the article, he's just like... He he looks like he's he's not in a Jackson Lamb era. He looks very fit, but he also looks like a guy who's been partying in rock bands for 25 years. Like sure. it does add up. It does add up. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. I also wanted to mention that this show now has completely figured out how to interpolate its uh serialized storytelling mm-hmm. in the seamless way. So that you can know who Ingrid is. You can remember what Judd did in the first season. But if you don't... Yes, it does. You get a real picture that he's a prick mm-hmm. and she's playing for her job. You know, like yes. you don't need to know, oh, Ingrid was sort of working underneath Diana and now she's above Diana. I, like all, all this, I, stuff, it doesn't matter. I also don't understand how, and Will Smith is the guy who's adapting the books and, and running the show. He's, he's applying his craft at such a high level I don't even know how to articulate this, but like every scene... You should have written yourself a note. I I did, but I sent it to you, unfortunately. Every single scene, you know, when he pairs off the different characters, which he does wonderfully and constantly, so it's always rejuggling it, and advances the larger story, but also accomplishes some business on the individual journeys of these characters, as well as laying track for the potential partnerships down the road. Friendship, romantic, uh, adversarial, whatever. Every scene is accomplishing things on those three different, like three different lanes of the highway, mm-hmm. if you will. I don't know how he does that. Like there really isn't any dead air or a scene just for the fun of it. Like everything is moving everything forward, but doing it on the two tracks. You know, when we were talking about Fargo last week and you were pointing out the scene where Jennifer Jason Lee like explains her reason for existing. Yeah, right. We don't really get those scenes here. You know, it's obviously it's a different show. But when we were talking about that, I was saying it almost as a defense of the construction of the scene is that the nature of week to week television demands sometimes someone's just got to grab the mic and do what I'm doing right now and just kind of blather for a minute about yeah. what's going on. Um, Slow Horse is just is, it's just a masterpiece of, of momentum. 
I had this conversation with Sean and Amanda and Adam Neiman when we were doing the top five movies, or our, our various top five. It movies was a good podcast. I you listened to that didn't podcast. Listen. Yes, okay. I did. Did you really? Yeah, because um, the Eagles lost, so I don't have anything else to listen to this week. Oh, I did my time. I listened to. I've listened to more Shield this week than I have like to myself. I listened to more Sean. Sean. Um, Sean picked up the slack. We had a little bit of a conversation topic in that top of that pod about the difference between your favorite and the best. Mm-hmm. I think this is going to come up again. Next week when I we do our... When you do your top TV of the year with Sean and Amanda and Adam Naiman. <laughs> with Sean Donovan. <laughs> an awkward way to tell me. Yeah, do it next to an Audi. And I've, it's, it's been an interesting year for that. Let's put it that way. Uh, because I think that, to my point, there are things that I think have accomplished more in television than Slow Horses, yeah. but I don't know that I have enjoyed myself as much watching a TV show than I have Slow Horses. Yeah, and I think that um, we tie ourselves into knots sometimes trying to articulate the difference between... Um, the steady work of TV providing us with a certain kind of entertainment and doing it very well yeah. and the kind of uh, comets of like artistic expression or, you know, just like a like a pocket in uh, a streaming services business affairs where they greenlit something that could never happen again but meant so much to us and it was worth making um, and the dance between those things. Mm-hmm. And I see that coming again where I'm thinking about my top 10 and I feel like the the top of class is very set and very clear as to what they're good at and then what to do with slow horses which so far does nothing wrong i mean like i what is the criticism of the show that uh not even the the cd plot Mm -hmm. which amounted to marcus and shirley breaking into sean's apartment and shirley blocking herself in a loo so that she could do some ketamine off of a um, elton john cd yeah like that's make a show about that yeah i guess industry did industry 100 <laughs> percent did but but yeah so i how do you compare those things i mean often well let's not i don't want to step on next week's show no I mean, no we won't but i but i but i do find that interesting especially because i think the dream of the industry coming out of the work stoppages and ever and and the uncertainty is like how can we just supercharge what we've always done how yes. can we make the prestige version of what people have come to look to television for for decades and taylor sheridan has his version of it i mean every time i watch a show from that universe i'm like this feels like a cbs show but they're really killing each other yeah or you know launching yeah. drone strikes or did whatever. you hear about that whole there was like a well it got aggregated from Rosilla's podcast but like the beef between cole hauser and taylor sheridan about their coffee brands no this <laughs> did you get a google alert about this <laughs> Well, I get Rosillo Google Alerts yeah. and Cole Hauser Google Alerts so that when they mm-hmm. correspond, somebody just calls me. I get it. Was yeah. someone, was Cole Hauser like making a coffee brand and he was like, no, no, I just read that you shouldn't have coffee in the morning. <laughs> so he reworked it to be a staring <laughs> at the right. sun brand with like he some was granola. Like, no, my favorite TV pod's favorite producer, Kai McMullen, told me. Um, you say that about prestige TV and what the dream of TV was. Yes. You know, in the last 10 years that we're going to sort of refine and supercharge the shows that built television in the first place. That's one way of looking at it. Right. There's another way of looking at what peak slash prestige TV was supposed to be, which was this way station slash exhibition space for like cool, weird new ideas that can never be made for movies because Mm -hmm. of for whatever reason. And maybe that was a myth. I don't know. But Scavenger's Reign on Max is basically that. Mm-hmm. This is a show that, even though it is animated, and as such, maybe not as much of a, a budgetary commitment from 
whoever Warner Brothers and it was originally sort of developed at uh, Adult Swim mm-hmm. as a short, and they were working. They've been working on it. When I say they, I mean Joseph Bennett and uh, Charles Hutner, I believe. I'm sorry if I'm not pronouncing that right. Um, who created the show and were, were have been working on it since like 2016, 2018, something like that. And it's an animated sci-fi show. I think it's like 10 or 12 episodes on Max. They're all up now. 12. And they're about 25 minutes each. And it's, I, 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 I'm coming from a place of like honest, like put my hands up. Maybe this happens every day in adult animated, you know, television and I just don't watch it. But legitimately mind-blowing stuff. Yep. Like hypnotic, psychedelic, truly fucking weird sci-fi. And watching it, I was just like, I, I honestly cannot believe this found a home. And I'm so thankful that it did. And everybody I know who's seen it is like, this is legitimately incredible. But you're the one who's recommended this to me. So tell me, what, where did, how did you hear about it? And what, why are we watching it? There's too much TV. I did not notice it. I don't have, I get so many Cole Hauser alerts recently because yeah. of this coffee beef. Um, <laughs> that I haven't really been keeping up on the adult animated space to the degree that I normally do. Um, it was recommended to me by a friend who works in the industry. Henry texted me about it, and I was like, that does sound interesting. I'll check it out. And it's incredibly hard to describe. The best version of it I can give you is, remember a few years ago, remember listeners, I imagine Chris remembers, we did a book club about the book Annihilation by yeah. Jeff Vandermeer. We, Jeff came on the podcast, he if did. I remember correctly. Yeah. Annihilation was later developed by Alex Garland into a movie of the same name. Natalie Portman. Um, it's a wild, that's a wild movie. Lost it's a, classic, I it's would a, say. It's a wild book. And to me, this is Annihilation as adapted by uh, Miyazaki. In that it is... And that's, that's, and that's one of my faves. You. That's one of my faves right there. <laughs> that guy, you love him. It is a... So it's a sort of a... It's, what's the opposite of an epic? It is a space show that is set uh, planet-bound. The beginning of it, you, hear, you see a passing reference to a freighter ship the Demeter yeah. that has gone missing. And is the Demeter, is that always Dracula's ship? Just out of curiosity? Is that one always Dracula's ship? Or do you mean like, are there canonical other ships that Dracula no, floats I don't, around I, on? They just had the last voyage of the Demeter and it's about Dracula. They? <laughs> Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> Big breakfast. And I just, I haven't read Bram Stoker's novel, so I wasn't sure if the Demeter is his, is his boat. You haven't read that book? Have you? Yeah. Well, not so much that you fucking remember the ship he's on. Well, I don't need to because Hollywood reminded me. Okay. Um, the Demeter has gone missing. We get some passing reference from some people who don't are... trying to Bram shame me. Not, Bram shame, Jesus. Uh, that it, let's hope for their sake that they didn't survive. Some people did survive and have crash landed on this planet, uh, Vesta. Yeah. And it is an absolute feast of surreality, this planet. Um, everything is alive and everything is sort of shifting and living and moving and breathing and adapting. And we meet the survivors, the three survivors and one robot survivor, mm-hmm. voiced by some people we enjoy and other things, like uh, Sunita Mani, who is on GLOW, Wunmi Musaku, who we've been begging to have a different Who's great we own this city. Let's yeah, put and it is way. on Loki. Yeah, um, She's... she's- she does what she can on Loki. Yeah. Aliyah Shawkat voices the robot. From she's from Arrested Development. She also plays Fiona, the other, and she is a great voice actor. And also, just like as a side note, just a sign of like the creative and interesting thinking of the show. That's not the voice I would have. That's not the voice central casting would have offered for an AI powered help bot. Yeah, I love that they did. So they've crash landed in different circumstances on different parts of this planet. Ursula and Sam 
uh, are stranded together and seem to be adapting. They know that certain creatures, if you hold them to your face, can be used as masks. They know how they're attempting to bring the larger ship down so that they can, uh, I guess there are people who are in cryosleep on the ship, or maybe they can arrange some way to escape. They're using the world around them. Unmi Mosaku's character, Ozzy, is, is stranded with the robot, Levi, and is attempting to sort of Martian it and like terraform and grow things while developing a more hostile relationship to some creatures. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's a character named Cayman, who is the, having the worst experience, I would say, on sure. this planet, uh, begins stranded in his pod in a tre- in a impossibly tall tree and then falls under the thrall of a telepathic toad. Let's yeah, say. but also seems to be reflecting back onto that toad. Mm-hmm. Like his violent impulses seem to be influencing this like beings thing it's it's really like pretty pretty heady stuff it's beautiful it's trippy it's just everything about it feels handmade which i know is actually a term that means something in animation so i may not be using it correctly but what i when i say it what i mean is the rhythm of it the voices the cadence of the speech the choices of how stories is presented to us the interaction with the landscape and just even the cutaway I mean, again, I'm, I'm using filmic language for an animated show, but like the cutaways to the living, breathing forest yeah. that this place is, is really breathtaking. And I, I was, I spent maybe five minutes being like, you guys, longtime listeners know that I have like a, a an adjustment period sometimes, and I get really have really strong reactions in the first five ten minutes of yeah. things. I was a little bit suspicious, and then I was so all in, I wanted to keep watching and keep watching and keep watching. Yeah, I watched like. Th- four episodes last night, I think. Look I at just, Chris watching cartoons. And um, it kind of made me melancholy. Hmm. If only because you so rarely see such imaginative works of sci-fi in live action anymore because yes. li- live action has become, live action sci-fi has become so prohibitively expensive and also mainstream culture. So you're just seeing, and you could make the argument that you you know there are fantastical mind-bending things happening in like Doctor Strange and I, I'd hear that hear you out there sure but within the context of ultimately a feel good good triumphs over evil story and this is not that and it, I doesn't really I don't know what this is about that's the thing is kind of like really exciting about watching this is that it's sort of like watching like an aquarium for a really long time yeah. where you start to lose yourself inside of like the light and the movement and the silence. I was watching the show last night and you know, every once in a while I would look at my phone and then I would look up and have no idea what was going on because if you look away for a second, some new fauna or, you know, being kind of appears on screen. But I just kind of allowed it to sort of take hold in the living room for a while and it was a really awesome experience and I just... You, we mentioned the the adaptation of Annihilation, which I think is one of the most breathtakingly original sci-fi movies made in the last like century, possibly, in, of this century. And it, it made me a little bit sad that we've kind of consumed or... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? That sci-fi has been subsumed so much by like the most popular of popular culture that it's like, well, we can't take any chances here. We can have space and spaceships, mm-hmm. but we have to have lots of like cool one-liners and a battle... And it ultimately, at the end, the good guys need to beat the bad guys. It, and that's not really what sci-fi is about. Yeah, and I think you could extend it even past the genre thing. I mean, this is such a remarkable work of imagination that it's impossible not to consider what you're saying, the flip side of it, which is the dearth of this kind of imagination in much of our storytelling. And 
this is, and I know, I know that the tune heads are going to chime in to be like, well, this is why you guys should be checking out this stuff more. You're probably right. This is a place where this stuff can happen, where the same rules don't apply budgetary or, or et cetera. Like you can take these chances here. What's remarkable to me about the show is that for as boundary pushing as it is, it is not like flailing towards interest. It's not just grabbing at interesting things. No, it's got like a a real, they got to go up the river, Heart of Darkness plot. And it has a really clearly developed aesthetic for what this world is and how people interact with it and what it feels like. And that kind of thought, I think, should not have to just be an animation. And so it should be celebrated whenever you see it. So I, I hope that people hearing some... I don't know if we're skeptics, but we just don't really usually have a lot of time for, we don't watch a lot of cartoons. Mm-hmm. People who may be a little suspicious about that, just sink into this. Check it out. I'm, I'm gonna, glad you recommended it. I'm glad I checked was it not, out. You checked I mean, it out I for mean, me. I'm almost, you know, maybe I should watch Blue Eyed Samurai. Maybe I should watch some other stuff. This has really been a day of questioning things for you. This is good. This is healthy at our age, you know? If you want to be like Norman Lear, you got to stay curious. Yeah, I know. You got what's next for you? What what's what's next? To- well, it sounds like growing my hair out, smoking a pack a day, mm-hmm. drinking constantly, and eating nothing but noodles. Mm-hmm. Um, Kai, are you in on this project? Do you feel like the Jackson Lamb? Do you think we could get a sponsorship for this and maybe like expand the brand a little bit? Yeah, we could probably get like a cigarette sponsor. That'd be pretty like, sick. Chris has been looking for that <laughs> for decades. <laughs> This is really, really working out for you. Um, why don't we wrap it up there? So we're going to be back on Monday. We'll talk about Fargo and the curse and some other stuff. Thursday is our best of the year. I suppose we should say mm. this year we will be doing our best of the year episode, just the three of us. Mm-hmm. And when I say three, I do not mean Sam Esmail. Sadly, Sam can't join us this year, but you know he's with us in spirit, screaming at us about intention. We will be... We will miss him. And and we have some other fun stuff. And we have some fun stuff planned for the end of the year. So, uh, yeah, a lot of cool stuff planned for the next couple of episodes. Our our real-time podcast watch of um, Leave the World Behind. (laughs) Where we just question every decision to watch along. What could have been there? Yeah. Huh. Yeah, I I missed this part with Julie Roberts. I was doing laundry. (laughs) Sorry. I love it. I, I, I actually really like that movie, but we'll talk about that too. Well, maybe we'll talk about that on Monday because it's out on Netflix on Friday. You gonna see it? You gonna watch it? Sam's movie? Maybe you'll just be watching Blue-Eyed Samurai and not eating glucose. <laughs> I don't know. Right. We'll see. Talk to you guys Monday. <laughs>